I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to Align Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Today's beautiful episode got to have a absolute legend in the world of extreme sports, uh, highlining, slacklining, climbing, uh, just generally being ridiculous in the mountains, Mr. Sketchy Andy Lewis. He's been someone that I followed for maybe the last 10 years or so, um, ever since I got into climbing back in Colorado when I was like 20, Sketchy Andy was the guy. And uh, if you guys just look up Sketchy Andy on YouTube or Instagram, you will see the reason that he is literally a legend in this world of extreme sports. So check him out in this conversation. We get into metaphors around slacklining. We get into some ridiculous, sketchy situation that he's had himself into and how he got himself out of them. And uh, a lot of really good stuff. I hope you guys enjoy. Here's a little clip. I had a bridal wrap at the bridge where I thought I was going to die. What's a bridal wrap? Bridal wrap is where you throw your pilot chute from your base rig and it goes around your arm or your head or your leg and people die like that all the time. Their parachute just doesn't deploy. Uh, and that happened to me like five, six, eight times, something like that now. I lost count. That's how many times it happened. And that's scary every single time. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the website, aligntherapy.com. If you feel drawn to that, you will find the show notes for this and the rest of the episodes. You will find the five-day movement challenge, breaking down the fundamentals of effective movement and how to integrate them into the rest of your life. I hope you guys enjoy that. I got a quote. quote comes from... Mr. Marcus Aurelius, Stoic philosopher, you have power over your mind, not outside events. Realize this and you will find strength. Not that complex of a quote, but pretty legit. You have power over your mind, not outside events. Realize this and you will find strength. Bum, 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 bum. No explanation needed. Um, I think we can kind of get going with this thing. Folks, if you leave reviews on iTunes, then we will send you out some Onnit products, probably Alpha Brain or something of that nature. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy. I'll read a little, a little uh review here from Demetrius MG. He says, pretty short and simple. I love this podcast very much. I love it. Exclamation point five stars. So Demetrius MG, get a hold of us. We'll send you out some on it stuff. All right, here we go. Back to the show. Oh, this was recorded on the beach in outside of the Slackline area at Old Muscle Beach, if you guys are familiar with that, in Santa Monica, California, Southern California. And uh, so pardon, there's an occasional little bit of wind. I think a helicopter flies over at one point um so yeah sketchy andy is not the easiest person to track down so i literally grabbed him from the beach and uh we just kind of walked over and recorded from there and you're about to hear him playing music he's a really talented musician and then if you listen to the end of the podcast uh you'll hear about five minutes or four minutes of just jamming out on the beach playing guitar people are clicking carabiners it was really cool cool times all right here we go back to the show with sketchy andy Lewis Chickapoo. All you see is roadkill's wishes, busted and twisted. This is bridge living. Let's get used to it. Let's get used to it. Slacklining is just point A to point B, straightforward. And that's kind of like 
the joke that we say. Slap hunting is the most straightforward sport there is. Right. Because you're literally, you're literally yeah, walking yeah. straight forward, one step at a time. And all those things that I'm saying are kind of metaphors in life. Yeah. So when you're balancing on the line, it, it kind of gives you balance in life. Totally. Like almost, it's like physically and mentally, and I feel as if it helps you focus your life, which I, I attribute all of my success to, is that slacklining taught me how to learn. That's, that's essentially what it did. It showed me that all you need to do is focus in the moment, take things one step at a time, and not be afraid to fail and do things over and over again. And eventually you can get to a goal as long as you make achievable goals for yourself as well as like goals for down the road, years, years ahead. You can keep yourself both hoping to be at a certain point of skill, right. but also developing skills that you can see right away. Because progression is one really good thing. Yeah. But a lot of people focus on perfection. And I'm actually a progressionist. I, I am not a perfectionist, but I love progression. Yeah. And um, if, if it's ugly, I don't care. If, if, it's, if it's like just you have to pull it off, that's something that's awesome. Right. So what do you see in your progression? Like what's down your line? Well, I would say that explaining to people what slacklining is, which is balancing between two points, point A and point B, getting that to the public and being like, this is something that's achievable for people. Yeah. That is kind of the that is kind of the road I'm going down. And you use it as a motivation because you can we have lines now that are short and we're the slack rack from given. We we sell them, they're like four hundred and twenty bucks or something like that. And you can buy a little three to four meter long slack line for your house, which is like I guess twelve feet in American terms. Nice. And so you can have a line that's that you can pick up and move across your house and right. you can practice slacklining. And so this is the kind of that's the kind of that is kind of the next step because I recorded a bunch of tricks and, and developed trick lining like by myself at first because there was nobody else trick lining. And that so was kind of Are you are you kinda of like the godfather of trick lining in a way in that sense? I don't really know the full well, history breakdown of like where it started, how it got going. I, I mean it's kind of funny because I mean phenomenalism I think is what it's called like <laughs> is actually like uh, the balancing arts right. and that's been around forever yeah. and it's like if you think about balancing on vines and jumping between trees and tightrope wire axe and Russian bar and uh, the balance beam and all of these sports that have been around for a long time and uh, the history of those sports is like very detailed and uh, slacklining as we know it started somewhere in the 60s to 80s range depending depending on who you talk to and some and like I think it kind of started in Europe in the climbing community and then was brought to Yosemite and then kind of got big in Yosemite and right. that's where like uh, Scott Balcom walked the first high line on Lost Arrow Spire which is like become the the like quintessential kind of archetypal yeah. high line. It right. is the high line to walk. There right. is there is no other line in the world that has more of a pull for all slackliners as a rite of passage. Right. Lost Air Spire, the, the the classic gap that Heinzak filmed Dean Potter free free soloing. That is like that's the line. You free solo that? I have free solo that, absolutely. Can you get a little bit, because in the intro I'll talk a little bit about, like, you know, some of that stuff, because that's obviously very appealing to people, but why is that appealing to you? And then just, like, some of the, like, the bigger, <laughs> bigger records. Are, do you have the record for deep, <laughs> deep water solo, for uh, for free solo, I guess is the term? I mean, I, ha I have a record for free solo from... Uh, I think it was 2011 until 2015 cool. when it was broken by Spencer Seabrook. How long was that? Uh, mine was, I think, 175 feet, um, like from cliff to cliff, but the line was actually longer than that. Yeah. But we have, uh, how you measure lines is kind of a, a debate within slacklining. Yeah, right. So from cliff face to cliff face, that's how long the line was. Right. And so. Spencer's was just over 200 feet, and Freedy actually just walked a line that was 72 meters and really high as well next to a waterfall. So that what's, was. What's the draw for yourself and people, you know, what, like with that? I mean, uh, there, most people will probably be like, okay, that's just crazy. They have a death wish, but I don't, you know, I know that you don't see it that way. I, um, that. I guess 
people have a hard time with um, focusing on the moment. Yeah. And um, they, they can only think of like the, the future or the past or hypotheticals. A lot of people love to, to talk hypotheticals in their relationships, argue about hypothetical things that haven't even happened yet. You're just like, hypothetically speaking, what if this, this, and this? And then it becomes a fight somehow. And it's just like, how does that even happen? But in the moment when you're free soloing, it's actually never a loss of control. You're, you're, you're balancing on the borderline of control, but actually what you're doing is you're moving every step and every second you say, okay, I can catch. Okay, I can catch. Mm. You know, And that's not like the mantra you have in your head, but in your heart, you know that in that second, you could catch the line so you can take a step. Right. And in the next second, you can still catch the line so you can take a step. And you move from controlled positioning to controlled positioning to controlled positioning and and sometimes you have to catch yeah. sometimes you have to do that but that is something that you train that is something that is like how do i say it primal yeah. if you put anyone on a line okay. and you dangle them from a rope and they can balance for a second and you go we're going to let go of this rope in in four seconds and you either have to catch this or you die and you, and you strung up 50 humans off the street right now, I would say almost every single one of them <laughs> yeah. would catch the line. Right. Because, and it's strange because you will do so much to save your life. You'll yeah. do so much. Right. But a lot of people fear testing that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Have you felt the existential stress in moments in the last like, you know, decade or decades of maybe I should conform to something that's safer and more normal? Or if you ever, has it just been like, yeah, I'm gonna just keep on doing my path the way I'm doing it. Do you know what I'm saying? Have you ever had moments of kind of like, oh, fucking nine to five job wouldn't be that bad right now? <laughs> um, kind of. I mean, the thing that I really appreciate from, from slacklining is my ability to travel. Totally. And so when you say normal, it's like, if you mean like Bay Area normal, where like you grow up going to the best schools in America and you get into an Ivy League college and get a, a doctorate in business and go and f handle financial documents <laughs> just you just handle people's money and right. you help them invest in companies and you you look at algorithms of what's being invested in and what's divesting and and i mean if you wanted to do that you can play it like a game and you can essentially use that to have fun and, and you can use the money to buy freedom and that is that that's an algorithm that somebody could really have fun with and, and love the stress of dealing with a million dollar contract or a hundred million dollar contract or even handling multiple billion dollar companies yeah. like a lot of people dig on that stress and dig on that and um, I think that that's beautiful I think that that's really beautiful I just don't really know how to put a value on time being spent because time is kind of a linear thing. Yeah. It's like if you are alive, your time is just as valuable as anybody else's time. So my day today is just as valuable as somebody who's in jail and let's say they have a great day today. They wake up, have a great shower, they, their meal is better than they expected, they stretch, work out, and they're totally content. Totally happy. Their stress is like limited. They don't have to, they're, 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 they're fine with that moment, and that day for them was beautiful. And I could be out here in full freedom dealing with a bunch of stresses, have a shit day, wake up, like get yelled at, miss a job interview, your boss yells at you. Like you could have a terrible day and have total freedom. Yeah. So it's really kind of happiness is a perception, like a mental perception, rather than like a physical reaction to where you are. Right. If you, if you, like, it's easier to be happy in certain environments, I would say, but that doesn't mean that you can't be happy in any environment. But it's a practice in any environment, right? You know, so it, a person it is. able to sort out themselves and be happy in a blank, you know, solitary confinement cell, yeah. that person's probably going to be able to find more joy in this situation where you have, you know, we're in Santa Monica Beach, slack line, you know, ocean, all the stuff. Absolutely. But how do you put a value on, let's say, base jumping half dome? 
Like, what would be the, the, the numerical value of that? I don't know that I could. I, I, I don't know that you could either, but I was just thinking, like, just upon basic risk, you know, yeah. you're basically betting, okay, I'm not going to lose my rig or be caught by the Rangers. If I'm caught by the Rangers, it's, my rig is gone, that's $3,000. If they find me, it's probably going to be another $3,000. Then I'm going to get a lawyer, it's probably $12,000 to deal with this, probably the ticket costs another 1200 bucks or something like that. So you're looking at minimum fifteen to $20,000 plus some jail time Jeez. if you get caught. And a felony, maybe, yeah. for base jumping in a national park. So you're looking at maybe like a $20,000, $25,000 risk every time you jump in the park. Wow. So if somebody has 40 jumps, 40 times 20,000, you're looking at a, a like a rough value of like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. So that value, I feel like some of our friends who do these extraordinary things in the dark and don't tell anyone are actually some of the richest people in the world in terms of value (laughs) (laughs) and and if you you know it's like so it's like opportunity cost like yeah (laughs) it's like it's like what what is actually valuable how much does it how much does it a bear how much is it getting barreled by a wave worth yeah like if you if you spend two hours surfing and you have a couple great rides, but then this beautiful wave comes up and the guy who's been snaking you all day slips off his board and you know he's not making the wave and you just happen <laughs> to hit it perfect and you peel in and you're in the barrel and you just stick your arm and you just like ride this perfect wave with the sun setting and like how do you put a price on that? Yeah, you can't. You can't put a price on that, but you didn't make any money that day. Yeah. It was kind of a selfish day because you were by yourself. You didn't affect anybody else. Yeah. You know, you were, you didn't like go help a, a, you didn't go talk to kids at a school and try to like put your energy out there. But it's also like you're not hurting anyone either. You're just out in the ocean. It seems so, it seems to me like we're tricking ourselves into believing that money and power, you know, and all that is is the thing because people haven't accessed these experiences so much you know like how many people listening have been barreled by a wave or have been but you don't need to necessarily be barreled by a wave just having yeah. those moments it could be with your kids or it could be with your girlfriend you know whatever it is yeah but we don't value those in our society i think it's because we've been tricked by commercials and ads and we can see wealth we can see muscles you know and those muscles oftentimes come from steroids and bullshit you know and we see this stuff and we, yeah. we get i think tricked into thinking like that's the thing well, it can you know, be. It well, that's the whole be. thing is that it is a thing. That's amazing. That's the whole thing about it is that you have a personal image of yourself that you have the ability to, to cast out to other people. So if you if you want to be a bodybuilder and to have a big body, then you go to the people who do that. And you can say, hey, check this out. I've got dedication. I've got determination. I've, I've got skills. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do this. What do you do? And they can lead you to these things. And yeah. maybe it leads to, to doing steroids if you get kind of like to the point where you're not competing and you really want to just get to the to a certain size or whatever I can see people doing that and that's I don't think that's something that's like negative but mostly it's like from the fitness people I've seen it's like really it's just a dedication to fitness and like actually eating right and and having protein powders at certain times and having this many calories and you can only you can only have this much absorption during this amount of hours and I have to max out this many hours so they're eating for like 18 hours you know and every hour they have to have this many grams of protein and it's like a science their body becomes a science so it's kind of like that's what we do with kind of slacklining and climbing is that instead of our body being the science of how do I get my muscles to be developed in a certain specific way that fits the image that they want that makes them happy you know and it's just that some people think that happiness comes from what other people think about them Right. And that's when you can get into these like things of depression where you're, you're trying to fulfill an image for other people rather than just fulfilling your image of yourself and letting the people who are attracted to actually you and your energy and your emotions, like that's how you make true friends. That's how you make true relationships is by being yourself and accepting the people who stay in your life and the people who can't be in your life. Yeah.
I wanted to take a quick moment and thank our sponsor, Health IQ, for supporting this podcast. Health IQ is a life insurance company, not just any life insurance company. They focus their efforts towards people that are living healthy lifestyles. If you are a runner, cyclist, weightlifter, or just generally paying attention to the quality of food that you're eating, you should not be paying the same rate for life insurance. So you can jump on to Health IQ, like the letters IQ.com slash align to support the show and see if you qualify for one of their plans. They are one of the fastest growing life insurance companies with over $5 billion in coverage and they save their customers up to 33% on their plans. As I mentioned, the reason they can do this is because they take into account the quality of life that you lead. If you're investing in your health, you should be acknowledged for that in your life insurance policy. It's exactly what Health IQ does for you. So see if you qualify, jump on to healthiq.com slash align. Health IQ is in the letters iq.com slash align. Here we go. Back to the show. Yeah, it's, I think it creates a disassociation with yourself, you know, when you have like the identity of what you think that you're supposed to be then versus just what you're saying, like being really present with yourself and being genuine to the people around you. Exactly. Which brings me back to what you asked, which was like, do I ever see myself wanting a nine to five or trying to be normal? And, yeah. and it's the that, security is the thing that I think the security. To be. Exactly. So in terms of security, I mean, what I have done is kind of said, what luxuries do I want? How hard do I want to work and what freedoms do I want? And when you list, when you prioritize what you want in your life, you can say, okay, if you want to have $80,000 of bills a year and have a house and a car and all these things, and you can do that. And you're going to have to put the work into doing that. But if you can find a city where you can live for most of the year on $30,000 and your rent is cheap and you get a lot of free time and you only have to make so much money, Sometimes that's less stress. You're not in a big city, though. You know, you got to deal with, like, uh, having, like, a small city group and your close friends are there. And uh, sometimes living in a small town can be, like, a little stressful because it's, like, you feel like you're on an island. But, like, you can live within your means. So if you literally, like, plan out your means, then you can see how hard you're going to have to work to do that. But working hard doesn't necessarily mean making money. And that's where a lot of people have a disconnect. Right. So you can make money, a lot of money in eight hours. But a lot of people have a linear basis where they're working for someone else. Like I can, if I work eight hours, I can make $200. If I get good tips during that day, I can make 300 maybe, you know? And so it's like slightly linear, but if you uh, have kind of some creativity and use your time wisely and take risks, that's kind of the hard part about uh, non-linear money-making is that you have to take risks. And if you don't take risks, that's fine. You can show up to a job that's set in a franchise and have a job that you work at a certain time, certain hours, you can plan your money and it's very, you can be like, I will have this money by the end of the week. I can pay these bills by the end of the month. I can save this much money. I can go here by this amount of time. A lot of people love that planning. They really do. And uh, I do envy that sometimes. It's like, I wish that I could have more of a, like, linear kind of pay scale sometimes. Yeah, I but, feel that. But a lot of the time, it's like, I'll get spurts of work where I'm working for three months straight every week. Like, boom, 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 What is boom, work? Boom. Um, doing stunt work. Uh, like, where someone hires me to uh, coordinate uh, a ropes course. And it's just for... Uh, like a boy scouting event or something like that but they, they want somebody who's like kind of in the media who can, be, who can do PR or whatever yeah. and, or like I can do like commercial work with companies where they want to plan like ideas to tell a story about a product and just idea creation and like imagination and it, it involves a lot of different sports not necessarily all extreme sports but just kind of like a adventure in general yeah. like how to how to promote because I really like to promote like adventure that's kind of like the the, the key thing yeah. like as long as you're going out and adventuring like that's 
that's all I really care about. <laughs> One of the things I noticed about about you over getting to spend a little bit of time with you the last couple couple days is um, you really uh, seem to really care about people. You know, like you like meeting. There was the guy that was you know freeze freestyling, spitting hot fire. Oh you know? yeah, Tyler. <laughs> and you really Tyler. really like giving your time and giving your energy and, and and you know helping people with slackline and like the stuff that you've done is is absolutely you know leaps and bounds insane in comparison to anything that's set up at the beach right now. And you really drop in with with all the people, which is like it's cool. I wonder like with that just how. In your sport, in your industry, people uh, die, you know, from their... Yeah. From, you know, I mean, it's kind of like... I wonder how that's... Do you feel like there's, like, a tangible effect that that has had versus someone that, like, works in an accounting job and people, you know, just kind of... Well, I would say, again, you know, risk, risk versus reward. I mean, that's the whole thing is that usually the greater risk you take, the greater reward. Yeah. And so... Um, Sometimes you get lucky, and you you get big jobs and sell lots of video and create lots of content and that moves people. And when you get that movement, that's what kind of pushes a market for for it, because people want to see what their dreams could be, I guess. Totally. You know, that's kind of the market that, I mean, it's making a market. That is marketing. Creating a need that for people. They're like, look at this need. Here are the products to fulfill the needs of that niche that I've created. Yeah. It could be like a completely random thing. You created it. Now people need it. And for slacklining, it's like, there is the journey is so long and so diverse for how far you can push it in every artisanship of the sport now that when people take their first step on the line i'm just like wow like the map for what you can do now is laid out so far that i can't even believe what people are thinking when they start to learn how to slack line they're like oh what's the record and they're like a kilometer and they're like oh that's pretty long huh? so like <laughs> so i'd have to do a mile right and it's like, you know, it's like, that's what has to be feasible in their head. Or like, how do I become trick line champion? And you're like, well, look at these videos. And they're like, wow, okay. So how long does it take to do that? Like a couple years or what, you know? And you're like, what? Like, yeah. you really want to like, like, look at how far that is. And they're like, yeah, that's okay. I'm, I'll get to the end of the map. Yeah. And that's the craziest thing is how far it's being pushed. And that's what's selling jobs. That's what's selling videos is actually the creating of the community so like I loved putting out footage to teach people how to do it I didn't like necessarily teaching people step by step but I, I would always put the videos in where if you watched it enough you could learn how to do it and that was kind of my my style so like right before trickline competitions I would release all the tricks that I would I was going to try to land at the contest and people would then have like a week or so to try to train the tricks and and then they could maybe land it and a lot of people would train it and then just realize how hard it was and then if I did it it would just be that much more impressive because they're like fuck that trick is so hard yeah there's a, a jiu-jitsu guy I'm spacing his name but he's he would do the exact same thing before tournaments and what he his his uh, perspective on that was that he wants people to enter his game is the way he said it so because if you're entering my game I'm already I want you to you know the, I want I want you to know the moves yeah here are the moves well but then but then if the person's trying to enter their game then they're entering something that's they're you know kind of more amateur at it this is like you're you're now following the path that I'm already further down I'm always gonna be further down was his yeah. perspective from like a winning a jiu-jitsu tournament yeah perspective on it but you know just being completely open with all of it like this is what I'm doing and that's what I did for a long time because I was really on the cutting edge of the style being created for right. a long time where I started to realize that all the moves in slacklining came from like a half rotation or a 90 degree rotation and you could put your foot on the line this way and tilt this way and balance this way and do this static move and rig the line this direction and bounce this direction and flip this way and go feet to feet and do this, 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 and this and finding out what tricks were landed and weren't landed and creating grabs and flows and combinations and putting them online and seeing what other people posted and slowly and gradually creating like this snowball effect of trick lining and what I ended up accidentally doing was creating a lot of the foundational tricks 
for the combinations being done today. So when, like when you're looking at them bouncing off their chest and bouncing off their back and doing a butt flip and feet to feet tricks, it's like all those all those air tricks were like invented by a group of people that's like maybe 10, 10 to seven people, right. seven to 10 people. Yeah. And I was one of those people. Cool. So I landed a backflip in 2006, I believe, or 2005. Yeah. And it was just like, that was the first flip landed on a slack line. Right. Now, has a flip been landed on a tightrope? Absolutely. Uh, they rigged tight, like cables or someone did a flip? Probably. But were there springs in some of them? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Springed cables, that's been a thing forever. But on a slack line, it hadn't been done before. Right. So this is a piece of webbing that you can carry in your backpack set up in, bet- in between trees anywhere and then do a backflip yeah. and that's awesome. that's awesome that's exactly what people want to do so I, I kind of attribute like all of my friends slacklining from me going out and slacklining every day but when the backflip happened that was kind of like when my videos started being watched when people started like wanting to slack line uh pushing the limits and then like a couple years later that's when we had the first contest and it was i don't know a very long road and uh gibbon helped a lot too with their contests and hosting the world cup and all of that like kind of was the basis for modern day trick line contests as we see it now yeah and people are using all the things that we learn, but it's still really hard to judge. It's really hard to, it's, you have to be there. You know, you have to watch the tricks. You have to see the, the competitors and how they react to each other and how they uh, they battle. Yeah. Are they uh, like, do they have good sportsmanship? Are they like rooting each other on and trying to push the other one to land something amazing, to push them to land something even better? And right. it's like that energy, that vibe. If you, if you have a really good contest between people, it doesn't matter who wins or loses. It's just them flowing and like creating this moment with everybody watching is like, it pushes trick lining so far. Yeah. And it's like that every time you have a contest, after everybody leaves that contest, everybody who is there who trick lined or not is better at slack. Lining. <laughs> just a little bit because because they somehow believe more yeah. they believe in themselves more they believe in what people can do more they just they are psyched and that's something that's truly awesome i think about slack lining. i want to um i want to let you go because i want you to be able to have your day at the beach but um can i ask two more questions yeah for yeah. sure um the one I feel, I'm just curious, like, what does training look like to you? Do you have any kind of, or in your life, have you had intentional, like, I'm going to be the best in the world and this is how I'm going to train to do it? Or, like, what does training look like to, to, to you? Um, well, knowledge is training. If you are, basically, if you want to get into any sport or anything, you make yourself as knowledgeable as possible about that sport. Yeah. You watch videos, you, you, you look at articles, you read as much as possible, and you find the people who are at the top of the sport, and you go find them. Go find them, and then ask them questions, be at the places they're at, help them, do whatever they need to do, carry bags, do whatever, and and you learn from the best. If you really want to do anything, just go learn from the best, put the time in, sacrifice everything that you can, and go do it. And, And in slacklining, there's kind of a slower path, but you just buy a piece of webbing and see what happens. And a lot of people do that. And, it, and it, the webbing takes them on a journey for years. And they just learn how to rig themselves and learn how to walk themselves and, and rig gaps over water for the first time by themselves or put it up over their pool or whatever. And, yeah. and there's this really cool thing about slacklining where you can just go do it by yourself. And you can carry it in your bag anywhere. You can carry it to the beach. You can carry it to the mountains. You can carry it to the... the the ski slopes you know you can set up lines and grind them you can, you can take it to the park you can put them between palm trees or it's just now we've figured out that you can slack line anywhere and it, and you can start to do it from 10 feet up to however long you want more than a kilometer and you can do it from 
one foot off the ground or six inches off the ground to however high you want on hot air balloons. It's like literally the sky is the limit for slacklining. But you don't do any, you haven't created like a, a more linear training program of sorts, like writing down the reps and the sets and my time spent and like this many times this trick every day or anything like that. Well, I mean, a lot of the times you try not to do that because it kind of ruins the fun. <laughs> but I mean, absolutely. There are times where you, you go out and you say, I'm going to do a hundred of the, each of these tricks right. today. Absolutely. You're like, I'm doing a hundred flips, a hundred 360 or 540 rotations, and I'm not leaving the beach until I do that. Yeah. And I'm going to land them all. And, and that's the training that you have to do because trick line is actually not the, it's tr it's not designed for like, to be like the one hardest trick landed wins. That's not trick lining. That's fucking dangerous as shit. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> but like the cons the consistent combos is what is kind of what is now the new style. And these combos are really awesome. They're like all sorts of rotations to all sorts of poses to huge, huge amplitude today. It's massive, the amplitude is so massive. And it's beautiful. And uh, yeah, I would say that that's probably the reason why Slackline is so amazing is the diversity. Yeah. What do you see in the forefront for you? Like, what's your biggest? And it doesn't even need to be Slacklining related. It could be, you know, whatever. But, like, what's the next big progression that you're looking looking towards? Um, well, I would really like to have, like, a personal contest series myself. That's just, like, my personal contest series that I invite the top trick liners in the world too and it's like just totally underground and it's only for the trick liners and something that's really slack life yeah. super freaking slack life right but if you like you get invited it's like a golden ticket you know and i kind of would love to do that and, and have and like bring it underground a little bit cool. where uh because Nobody really cares about all that shit, but slacklining is super fun and people love kind of being competitive and like doing certain things. So it's just like, you can find a way to do it in a way that's fun for everybody. And as long as you can meet and trick line forever, that's kind of the point. Yeah. So you can share tricks. Cause you can do, you might not even speak the same language, but you can speak trick line. Totally. Absolutely. And play games and push the sport. And that's what was so fun about like, being there at the trick line at the contest is that you really are creating tricks you're creating names you're creating combos you're you're creating movement that other people will then follow and it's so funny you know like you say Baximus now and that's a trick that I named in, in like a long time ago thinking no one would ever do it again and now it's just a trick people do and it's like a global language it blows my mind you know and like all my friends who are like I met from the internet just spawned miraculously from around the world. It's like, oh, you're from Japan. Oh, nice to meet you. Goodbye. That's great. Oh, you're from Estonia. Nice to meet you. It's like, uh, it's like, wow. Like, it really is global. Yeah. And it's so funny because, like, you see all these things that are 3,000 years old that look a lot like slacklining, you know? It's like, but they're just balance arts, you know? Yeah. And you're like, wow, across the world without any information, without anything like that, we are doing the same movements, the same ideas, same concepts with something that's thousands of years old. So... Yeah, I was just definitely lucky to be in the time and place that I was in slacklining. But I'm definitely envious now of how fast people can learn because it's you figured out the equation for lines. We figured out how to make a butt bounce line. Right. We figured it out. Now it's not painful. Now you can learn it quickly. Yeah. Now it's something that there are names and and online videos and tutorials and and a community to teach you how to do it. So it's just like now you can go out and in a year you can be competing. That didn't used to be a thing. Right. Now it's for sure a thing. And like you have people coming from gymnast backgrounds and people coming from wakeboarding backgrounds and people coming from skiing backgrounds and everybody has this desire for balance and desire for strength and flexibility and slacklining is like personally it feels creative like you're you're creating something new and that's what i think drives people a lot too is like like wow this is new this is a new skill that that 
it's funny because like when you're first learning, you, you feel bad and you're like looking around and you can't really do it and you try really hard and then two hours goes by and you go home the next day and you come back and the line's still there on the beach and you go and that next day you're you're way better and then all of a sudden you're teaching someone right. like that. Totally. You know? And it's, it's and you're and you're yeah. really not that good at it. you're like, look, I'm really not that good, but I can tell you that from my practice, this is what you did. And then all of a, a sudden, teacher, because it's like, dude, I was there four days ago. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that energy snowball effects, and that is so cool because yeah. it becomes like a place where when you have lines rigged, people come and walk them. Right. And that is so cool. I think. I wanted to, the last thing I want to ask because it's, it's like the cliche, almost obnoxious question, and I apologize in advance, but um, <laughs> have you had? Could you potentially paint the picture of some instance in your journey where you really thought you were gonna die and it was, you know, kind of one of those like defining type moments or does anything like that stand out for you or? Um, yeah, I mean, there have been a handful, honestly. Yeah, That's the crazy that. thing. It's like I've, I had a bridal wrap at the bridge where I thought I was gonna die. Bridal wrap. bridal wrap is where you throw your pilot chute from your base rig and it goes around your arm or your head or your leg and people die like that all the time their parachute just doesn't deploy uh, and that happened to me like five six eight times something like that now i lost count that's how many times it happened and that's scary every single time yeah the car accident i just had was pretty horrible where i i mean the second before i hit the car i was 70 miles an hour truck parked in the middle of the road i lost i lost just i got distracted you know when you hear brrr on the road and then you fix your car? Sure. I had that happen. I went brrr, fixed the car, but there was a car parked in the middle of the freeway that had broken down. Whoa. And I hit the back of a parked car. And there was nobody in it. The car was just abandoned. Oh. So that's, that's that was a scary moment. Oh, I crashed paragliding once where I my wing just collapsed off launch and I just slammed from really high up and I thought I was going to die there. Yeah. I had a cutaway accident. Thought I was gonna die there What's too. A cutaway accident. Cutaway was when I rolled over a base rig and tried to cut my base rig away, and then I had another base rig on that I would deploy. But when I cut away, my handle ripped off and unthreaded one riser, but the other riser was stuck. So it, the, the the yellow cable that goes up to here was kinked through the three ring and it just wouldn't come out. So, and I don't exactly know why. Maybe it was clogged with sand. I didn't grease. I didn't pre-test. I know that all the all that shit. I didn't look at my gear, and I un. The swage on the handle broke, which is like the little thing that that pinches the cable, and the cable unthreaded one side, and I just hit the ground. I hit the ground like literally with half a canopy out, and my other canopy I threw and it opened into my other canopy, so I just had a ball of just canopy, and I hit the ground and was just miraculously okay. I just happened to be fine. <laughs> I had three quarters of a canopy open once. I where like my brakes, my my tailgate on my brake lines didn't break because I used too much tape and it got wet and it created like a donut rather than ripping and I, and I just slammed into the ground 200 feet below right in front of my friend who was like six feet away from the cliff and he was just like, boof, oh my God, are you okay? I was totally fine. Like my knee swelled up like pretty bad for a few days, but I was fine pretty much. Yeah. And I hit a bridge once where my canopy just hit the bridge on it with hella wind. I, th I thought that the pillar was over, but the pillar was actually diagonal. So I missed the pillar, but hit part of it, and my canopy just hit and then 90 into the ground, and I crashed, and I was miraculously okay again. Canopies, the, the wing? Uh, my the, wing, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I mean, shit. What do you get out of that? Like, cause that's, it's things like Stories. that. Stories. Most, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I fell free soloing a lot. A lot of it was intentional falling, but. I mean, I've almost fallen horrendously off a bunch of slack lines where you're free soloing 45, 50 feet up and you just do it without thinking as much and you fall and almost don't catch and scare yourself. I've almost slipped on cliff faces. I mean, I've been running from people and climbed down horrendous poles and had them break and fallen like 10, 15 feet to my back. Running but from like, rangers. Or, what, or whoever, and your yeah. rig's on your back and you land on the big rig and you're somehow okay. And, like, um, I mean, I've had like a lot of crashes and falls and hard hits. And I think that the reason why I, I'm starting to become like more safety conscious 
is kind of because I've been safety conscious and seen accidents happen right. and now you can like kind of plan for even further further steps out you can like plan for access certain accidents to happen and then you know exactly what's going to happen from there yeah. and so as bad things happen you kind of learn how to deal with them so there is kind of this learning curve where everybody has accidents and you're going to have to learn how to deal with those moments and if you do it right maybe you can save someone's life and if you do it wrong maybe you have someone die yeah and seeing all of the stories uh, or hearing all the stories from my friends and seeing it happen myself and almost dying myself and pushing myself to do free solo and to face death and to face fear and to face your own doubts in yourself with the price of your death those kind of things where you're so consistently pushing death and, and moments in that that you become used to it right. and you can deal with those stresses casually and, and that is the beauty of it is to be able to, to, to push it so far that, that you can deal with it casually but it takes so much practice and so much dedication and a lot of time and it only lasts so long and then you and then you go back to your house and you chill for two weeks you visit your parents you eat just for christmas vacation two weeks you know then you get back to the cliffs and you're already less honed you're already less dialed you're already weaker you haven't trained or climbed or anything so it's or jumped or trick lined or walked on a line or anything and all of your skills are just gone yeah get to get back into the into the flow state get back into where you're dialed so it's like how far can you push it before you have to take a break how many things can you do before you you know do something else how far will you go where will you put it how many videos can you make how many records until there's enough will it be will it ever be enough for a lot of people and no it won't right it's just gonna you're gonna do it forever kelly slater will forever surf yeah that's what he does yeah you know when you find what you love and you want to do it you will do it forever and that's why the slack life to me is kind of more diverse than just slacklining. That's it's it's like it's about a lifestyle, and that's that's now that's what I'm teaching is that like the balance and the techniques and the actual like physical difference that you feel when you start slacklining, all of those things lead to like mental balance, more confidence, increased dexterity and reaction time, and you become a better person. Regardless if it changes your thoughts on morals or ethics, you are more balanced. Yeah. <laughs> you, you actually feel better. Yeah. And it's such a simple balance. And then all of a sudden you can balance on chains, you can balance on cables, you can balance on tennis nets. And you're like, wow, I can't believe that I just needed to like train for like a couple hours and I can do all this other stuff. And that leads to confidence and then confidence leads to to like improved interactions with your community, with your family, with your friends, with the people on the street. You're always wearing a smile and people will smile back at you and that that is positive, good energy. Yeah. So you promote that and you use that in everyday life and then you can learn things like you learn slacklining, slack life. Cool, man. The metaphors. I dig it. That's it. Um, so where can people go? Where should, where should people be directed to, to learn more? Like what do you... I mean, you, you can go on to the internet and search in Google. For, the internet. Yeah, I mean, just, just <laughs> seriously, go and get lost in watching Slackline videos, and just see who, just see how many different videos you can watch, and just watch it for a night. Like literally, I don't want to limit you to one place because if you just go and and like just watch a handful of videos and see what you see what you get directed to, and it's kind of. I mean, it's an adventure. There's so much stuff. I mean, just just search, just search Slackline. Let's see what see what comes up. Sketchy Andy. If you search Andy Sketchy Lewis. Andy, then you'll see a lot search of my that stuff. Too. Yeah. <laughs> you want to search Sketchy Andy? That's me. If you want to call me, call me. Cool, SketchyAndyLewis.com. Yeah. That's my that's my blog slash site. Sweet. Um, I don't update it all that much, but I do update it, and there's an archive of a lot of my videos there. So if you want to look at my videos, Sick. sketchyandylewis.com archive. Cool, man. And then, yeah, Vimeo, Sketchy Andy. That's another one. Instagram is Sketchy Andy, at Sketchy Andy. Uh, I don't think I have a Twitter. 
good. But I'm going too soon, probably. <laughs> Align Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Some ways that you can support this podcast, one of which you can pick up an Align Band, which is a heavy-duty resistance band. comes along with a door anchor and a carrying case and a video guide on how to mobilize those joints and integrate that body of yours. Really great stuff. You can be found at AlignTherapy.com and also on Amazon.com. Um, I wanted to thank once again Health IQ for supporting this podcast. Health IQ is a life insurance company that focuses towards people that are taking care of their bodies. So any type of athlete, folks that are paying attention to nutrition, pretty much anybody listening to this podcast, uh, they focus on lowering rates for you because you deserve it. You get up to 33% lower rates than the standard. You can see if you qualify at healthiq.com slash align. That's health IQ is in the letters I iq.com slash align if you're a healthy individual and you got a family or some folks that you want to know that they're taken care of if you're not around that's the way to do it healthiq.com slash align um, thank you also so much for utilizing the amazon affiliate link on the right hand sidebar of the podcast page bookmark that thing anytime you purchase some crap on amazon purchase that crap through that link we get percentage of it costs you nothing and I think that's enough. Thank you guys so much for reviews on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Pow. you see is roadkill's wishes busted and twisted. This is bridge living. Let's get used to it. Let's get used to it. We're sitting singing. Dude, the only tricks I work on are like cool like spikes and stuff, but I can't.